Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press, the official podcast of the Santa Monica Daily Press. I'm Ross Furukawa. I'm here today with Matt Hall, the editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press, and we're going to be talking about AB5, which is known as the gig work law in California. So let's get into it. So Matt, AB5 just went into effect in California on January 1st. So in very plain language, what is AB5? So AB5 requires employers to designate some kinds of employees as either part-time or full-time employees instead of classifying them as contractors. And the essential difference between a contract employee and a part-time or full-time employee is benefits. Contractors do not have benefits, whether that's medical or time off or job security, whatever it might be, they don't have them. Employees do. So so contractors, said another way, are their own business in, in some ways. In some ways, but that's actually one of the loopholes essentially in AB5, right? A con- or rather, they operate as their own business. But yeah, they, well, they operate as, a, as an independent contractor, just that. As a, they may not have an LLC, but they're not employed by anybody else. So take a uh, handyman, for example, right? Right. I'm trying to think of some really obvious examples of, of what a contractor, in the truest sense of the word, is. Handyman goes around, has multiple people he works for, he or she works for, and fixes whatever. They are not an employee. They are a handyman. They go around and they, they have multiple clients. Is that the big distinction here? Kind of. I, so I think the actual way that that works in the construction field would be if you are remodeling your kitchen mm-hmm. and you hire a company to remodel your kitchen, right? You've hired Bob's Kitchen Remodels. Great. Bob's Kitchen Remodels probably has a couple of employees, including Bob and maybe his brother Bill, and they're the employees, right? Yep. They work for Bob's contractor. However, the guys that show up to actually do the work in your kitchen may not be employees of Bob's Kitchen Remodel. They may have gone out and said, hey, you, I'm going to give you 100 bucks to go do this job. When the job's done, that's it. Right. That's a contractor-employee relationship right there. So the average handyman you hire off the street, he's, you're not necessarily hiring him as a contractor. That may, he may actually have a business. Um, but the other place this shows up, it shows up all over the place. It shows up in tech workers. It shows up in journalism. It shows up in deliveries. It shows up specifically Uber and Lyft, which are the targets. And for a lot of folks around here, it shows up in music. Musicians are a huge part of this. Sure. You know, the reason it's called the gig economy is because musicians called their jobs gigs. <laughs> I think it's named after yep. them. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so who is this, you know, is this bill aimed at anybody, any one particular vertical or is it they're just trying to make everybody employees in California. Yeah, so it was aimed at Uber and Lyft. Like okay. very specifically, that's who they wanted to target. They wanted to target Uber and Lyft, and they wanted drivers of rideshare companies to become employees of the businesses. So currently, that's what they wanted. For those of you that don't know, if you're an Uber or Lyft driver or deliver for Postmates or any of these gig economy delivery services, whether you're delivering people or whether you're delivering food. You are a contractor. You are. You turn your app on. You're working when you have the app on. When you turn the app app off, you're not working. Right. Uber does not give its drivers paid vacation. They don't have to get on a company medical plan. Right. There's no, like, overtime. They are when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're done. So, what is the benefit then of being able to be a contractor to a company? So, well, you know, 
as a company. If you're an Uber driver, for right. example. Well, so as a company, you pay more for employees because you have to pay for their medical services, right? You have to pay for their vacation. And you just costs more to have an employee than it does to have a contractor. So traditionally, companies have brought in contractors when they have a temporary job that they want done and they don't want to go to the expense of bringing on a full-time or even a part-time employee. You know, Uber and Lyft really have, in some senses, abused or at least exposed giant loopholes in that relationship, right? Their whole business model is different. It didn't exist until they came along. It's a radically different kind of approach to staff an entire business with nothing but contractors. Well, I should say staff a business because there are Uber employees, right? Like, the people sure. who develop Uber's apps, the people right. who run the back end, people, like, there are Uber employees. They're just not the drivers. Got it. And that's really one of the things – that's actually one of the distinctions AB5 makes, right? AB5 imposes checks to decide if you should be an employee or and a contractor. And one of those checks is, is the job that you're performing critical to the company's function? Are what you're doing the foundation of the company? And this is where – this law and its unintended consequences and editorializing a little bit, it's pretty poorly written. This is where the wheels immediately fall off because everything goes to hell almost as soon as you look at any of the details, right? <laughs> okay, so let's unpack that for a second. Here's, well, before you jump into that, every Uber, not every Uber, but call it 75% of the Ubers I've jumped into, the driver is telling me about their day job. Right. So, you know, Hey, I'm doing this. I got this hustle going on. This is my side hustle. So, what what is the so does that does that break that? Do can they if you have a contract with an employer that says you can't work anywhere else? Does that eliminate that job for somebody that wants to do Uber at night and work during the day? I mean, if it, so if you have a contract with someone that says they can't work anywhere else. So, Uber all Uber drivers as it currently stands can do other jobs, right? They right. there's no there's no prohibition on your Uber driver doing anything else. If they're brought on as an employee, certainly there might be, right? And this is, this is one of the arguments that Uber, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash, this is one of the arguments they've made against AB5 is that their drivers, they believe, want the flexibility to work in multiple places on their own schedules. The flip side of that is there's a large coalition of drivers who say, Uber has abused them and not provided them with the rights that they should have and have not given them enough freedom to make those decisions on their own. And that's why they have pushed for this. Um, and again, detail-wise, like one of the things that stipulates if you're a contractor or not is how much freedom do you have over the terms of your employment. And Uber, addressing that concern, has actually mounted a somewhat stealth campaign to alter their California app. Like Californians will soon have a different Uber app than everyone else in the country or the world thereby. What's the distinction? What's different? It's designed to specifically address some of the particular necessities of AB5 to prevent drivers from being employees. And one example is the California-specific app allows drivers to decline fares based on how much they would make off of them. So as it stands now, a driver who sits at the airport for an hour in the taxi line or Uber line may get a, get there and find that his fare is going two miles down the street for 10 or 12 bucks, and then he has to go get back in line at the airport. 
They obviously right. hate that. Right. But as it stands now, they're not able to decline that. The new app allows drivers to look at those fares and decide before they take the trip if they want to pick it up or not. That is so. So nobody's going to do any of these little short trips. Ex- essentially, you know, or on the high heels trip, like somebody wants to go five blocks because they're wearing heels. Right. Okay. You know, or or you know, a driver could make the decision he only wants to do those trips and he's going to be a short term guy. Just anyway, whatever. Right. But the point okay. is, the app will be different because drivers outside of California may not have that ability. Mm-hmm. And there's some other tweaks that have been made to it to specifically, essentially undermine AB5's ability to regulate Uber. So if you are, let, let's say for a second that that AB5 goes through as it is, Every again, every Uber driver I've been has an Uber going and they have an app going of, mm-hmm. for Lyft and maybe Postmates. Like yep, yep, yep. They're doing all these different things at the same time. If you, if you I know for me, if I have somebody I'm, that's on my payroll working full-time, I don't want them working for my competition. Yeah, well, that's the argument, right? Well, it's one of the arguments against it is what will happen. Yeah. Nobody actually knows what would truly happen if Uber was forced to hire all of its drivers. Like, would Uber just go out of business? Like, would they just pull out of California? Like, no one actually knows. Right. And I think, I think the safe bet, what you can say at this point, is that AB5 will not be the same at the end of this year as it is today. There are going to be changes. I, I, I think that's an, uh, a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, and those changes are likely to come as a result of the legal challenges. You know, okay. we're already, what, January 7th? There's three legal challenges. So what are they? Who's challenging? So truck drivers have mounted a challenge. Freelance journalists have mounted a challenge. And Uber itself has mounted a challenge. And the Uber challenge is multi-part, and it includes uh, threats of additional action. So we can go down the list. That's a chronological order. Yeah, let's start with the journalists. Let's start with the truckers because they were first. Got it. So truckers were first. So truckers Truckers were first. And specifically, they have probably the strongest case because there are federal laws that cover the trucking industry. Who can drive trucks? Big delivery trucks taking containers from the port, right? Federal laws around that. As soon as AB5 passed and it looked like it was going to target the trucking industry, they immediately filed a challenge. was like, nope, can't supersede the feds. Um, a judge issued an injunction in favor of the truckers saying that AB5 does not apply to them while that uh, challenge is heard. That challenge is actually scheduled. It has a court date scheduled for the 13th. So of January. The January. So that's coming up. We'll hear. We'll get a bunch more information at that point. So truckers get a pass until this hearing shakes out. Yeah, maybe longer. We'll see. But they have it, they seem to have a very strong case based on this federal argument. The next challenge was journalists. So AB5 was designed to target Uber and Lyft. It was poorly written. It targets all kinds of people. And one of its sort of many flaws, or perhaps its largest flaw, is whoever complained loudest first got an exemption, whether they should have or whether it made sense. And so in the communications business, public relations officials have an exemption. Journalists do not. Graphic designers are exempt. Photographers are not. This makes no sense. It's, it just makes no sense. There's all the same people working at the same companies, and some of them are going to be exempt and some of them aren't. And when we say Wait, freelance photographers are not exempt? No. Freelance photographers are not exempt. Wow. That's like their entire... It's their entire business, yeah. right? And when we say exempt, this is, what it, this is partly what it means. And specific to journalism... Uh, 
contractors are limited to submitting 35 pieces of content to a single outlet. So a photographer can submit 35 photos to us and then 35 photos to the LA Times and then 35 photos to the San Francisco Chronicle, right? But it's 35 total submissions. And similarly, a writer can only write 35 pieces. And for many people, that's a month's work. Like they might write a story a day, yeah, and that's a month's work, and then they they can't work for that outlet anymore. Very silly, very very silly, and it's already had a negative impact. There was a media company, Vox Media, fired two hundred California based freelancers. They just fired them. They're like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah, specifically, they fired California freelancers. So does this hurt people from out of state that want to hire California freelancers? I know I a mean, ton hurts. of people in the tech world are a little stressed out about this because. People from all over want California talent to do UX. They want to do, right. I guess that might fall into graphic design, but well, it hurts. Ca- it hurts the freelancers. It doesn't necessarily hurt the companies because they'll yeah. just go hire somebody else, right? Yeah. It hurts people who live in California specifically. So, because if you like, if you live up in Tahoe, right, and you can see the state line is you know 15 feet from your house, the guy who lives across the state line, no limits on his work. You on this side of the state line harsh limits on your work. Right. And it's a, it really hurts them. And so the, the journalists filed a lawsuit. A couple of unions got together, filed a lawsuit. They actually asked for the same injunction that the truckers got. The judge yesterday, which was the 6th, the judge denied their injunction request, saying they waited too long to file it. So as of today, journalists, freelance journalists, are still bound by the terms of the law, although they've challenged it, and that's progressing through the courts as challenge number two. And when will that be heard? I don't know if there's a court date scheduled for that. Like I said, the hearing yesterday was the, the, the first one on the agenda was, can they get the injunction? Right. No, they can't. So journalists don't get a pass? No. Okay. Um, and the third challenge has come from Uber itself. They and some of the other partners have filed a challenge along many of the same lines as the journalists' challenge. And indeed, Uber has referenced their the journalists fight in their fight, basically saying that the exemptions are unconstitutional, if not outright nonsensical, and that it just shouldn't be enforced as is. Um, Uber's lawsuit comes with an additional threat. Uber has said that if the law remains the same and their challenge fails, they, along with other industry partners, will mount a ballot initiative in November to just straight out overturn it. Um, and I believe it's Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash have each already pledged $30 million to fund that initiative. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, if they don't revise it, it's going to get referendum. Yeah. And we'll see what voters do if it goes that far. But it is, like I say, it seems very strange that they're going to the, – it seems strange that the politicians wouldn't take the opportunity to revise the law given the – diverse nature of opponents, right? Truckers, high-tech companies, freelance photographers, freelance journalists, many musicians. We haven't even talked about the musician side of it yet, but the musician side of it is super confusing and weird. Um, And so there's a huge coalition of diverse interests that are all being actively harmed by this law. And we don't know for sure the law is even going to impact Uber and Lyft. Uber has made a legal argument that says their core business is as a technology platform, not as a driving slash delivery company. And their argument is that their core business is technology. So their core employees are the programmers and corporate employees that 
uh, any kind of people could use Uber's tech to, like you say, deliver people or deliver packages. Or maybe you use it as some sort of tracking software or some sort of GPS system. Like their argument is that their that their drivers are not core employees, and therefore they shouldn't even be held to AB five to start with. I mean, if that argument were to hold up, it's yeah. completely ridiculous to maintain the prohibitions on everyone else. Yeah. Well, that's tough because clearly they deliver people in packages all over the place. It's like Snapchat is a camera company, but really they're a social media company. Yeah. Right? I, who argues what they are? And But like I say, the musician side of it is super weird too, right? Like this law could – like so you're a musician. Maybe you are – serving as a studio musician, and you have a regular gig, great. Awesome for you. But maybe you're somebody who gets a call on random days to be a... You're the, someone needs a bass player, so they call you for a gig. Great, you pick that up. And then the next day, someone else needs a bass player for a tour. So great, you go and do that. And maybe later on, someone wants a music lesson, and they call you and you do that, right? That, that individual clearly is going to be subject to these laws, and may find himself unable to play more than 35 sessions or concerts with a single person. But it gets even weirder, because what happens <laughs> wi- about... So somebody plays in a band, they get paid 100 bucks to play bass, and they're limited to 35 gigs. With Yeah, but with who, right? Are they limited right. to 35 with that band? Are they limited to 35 at a given venue? So that's right? not clear in the bill? It, who's the employer, right? Like, because it's not. It's not. Who's the employer, right? If a venue is hosting a concert and the venue is paying the musicians, if the venue pays you to go and put the Ross for a Kawa band together, and your band is composed of four random dudes who are all contractors, those contractors working with you or the venue, like it's kind of confusing. And there's an argument about the venues themselves, right? Could a venue only host 35 um, shows if the shows are their core business? Or could a venue argue that shows are not their core business, that the bar is their core business, and therefore they don't have, they're exempt from the contractor work because the musicians are not their core business? Like, it, it's just, so, it's so weird. So, this is a disaster. So, who, let's, so, you know, something this complicated, who's enforcing all this? Who's, who's in charge of enforcement? Yeah, I mean that's the big question. Well, what are the penalties? Right. So, that's the 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 California Labor Relations Board is where complaints are going to go to, and we don't really know yet, right? Like people haven't started making complaints yet. It's too early. Like no one's hit thirty five on day seven, probably. Yeah. Um, but we don't know yet, and we, we will see. But you know, this has we've been talking a lot about these Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and these big companies, but like this even impacts local businesses, right? We're a newspaper. We're subject to this. We can't hire freelancers who are going to produce more than 35 pieces of content. Like, that's a very real concern. We have to figure out how we're going to deal with that. And exactly that. The concern for us is, so how how is this being tracked? Do we have to check emails? Is an email count as a submission? Like, is the Labor Relations Board going to come to us and we have to show them a spreadsheet of every email someone has sent to us? And like it just it's weird. And does a phone call count as a submission if they were to dictate content in? Like it's there's a lot of uncertainty around this and a lot of organizational nightmares for employers. 
Um, which is why employers are just going to jettison California freelancers. Like right. that's what people are going to do in the short term. They're just going to not hire California freelancers, and that's that's going to be the single largest impact for the next six months. Is freelancers are going to find that their work dries up either immediately or probably in June or July when they start to hit that thirty-five limit. Yeah, and that's not going to show up in un- unemployment numbers because these are contractors. Right. Right. So. Uh. Wow. So what's your prediction? So I think it definitely gets revised. I think unquestionably it gets revised. The, the, the bill's author has been steadfast in her defense of it and refuses to acknowledge that there's any problems. This is Lorena Gonzalez in San Diego. Yep. But there's clearly problems. And I think that the legislature will take a look at this. I think they're going to wait and see how these three legal challenges pan out. Because they may just find that they're, if you know, someone rules the law is unconstitutional, it's just out the window, right? But I think, I do not believe the law will be the same in November of this year as it is today. They're not. I don't believe the legislature is going to take it to a voter referendum, um, because I think, I think, the coalition of companies that will line up against it is large and diverse, and I think the bill would lose if you put it to a public vote. So I think the legislature will do something in the first six to eight months of the year that either radically increases the number of submissions or it makes it, it creates some sort of process to exempt individual companies or industries that undermines the coalition that's forming against it, right? If they, if they try and tailor it to just the, the true technology hubs, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and they lost the journalists and the truckers and the musicians and all of those other folks. That's, I think, where the legislator, legislature wants this to end up. Hmm. So people, stay tuned. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll see, see how this thing shakes out. We're going to know in a week, and we're going to know in probably a few months with the truckers and the, yeah, the, and big, the journalists, and, and probably within the next three to six months, we'll see what moves. Yeah, three to six months, the, I think the there'll be heavy activity. Make, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt. Appreciate your time. Sure. It's Green Shirt Day here. It is. We're both so, wearing green uh, shirts. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Bird Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.